0: Hi everybody, welcome back to the first episode, actually this is going to be the first episode we record of the year, but not the first episode we're going to release uh, this year because we have the episode that we recorded last week or the week before, I can't remember, because I forgot to release it, and yes, this is also going to be a really manic episode because uh, listeners, I am Paco Garcia, the host, uh, well, co-host of the GMS Magazine, and so play we all podcast and i am really tired and when i'm tired my mind doesn't really work as a normal person it's just like i'm just gonna be an idiot hi chris
1: hey oh this is chris from DSX machina uh yes it's uh yes it's been it's been an interesting season um unfortunately uh a flu spread through my circle and uh, hit everybody uh like like a freight train and uh, I'm just coming off of it now. Uh, my wife is a lot better, but unfortunately it hit everyone. Uh, our in- my in-laws got COVID, um, but uh, they're, they're doing better. Uh, COVID hit um, one of my closest friends who had MS, who has MS, and uh, because he's immune it kicked the crap out of him. It was very, very touch and go. He almost lost him. I was very worried, uh, but it's a new year, and uh, starting off, kind of crazy uh at least in my circle there uh, i'm i'm an avid uh, race car uh, enthusiast mm-hmm. and uh, a very 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 well known uh, in, a person in the industry passed away from a snowmobile accident just yesterday
0: oh who's that i didn't know that
1: a guy named ken block uh he is probably the most famous race car driver for millennials um, because he's heavy, he's got a very, he's got a, an avid fan base. Like there, there are drivers that are probably that have won more than Ken Block, mm-hmm. uh, but Ken Block is like, Ken Block, um, was an avid race car driver, invested in, cr- and founded a company called DC Shoes, I think it's called, and, um, used that money to fund his racing career. And he became very, very, very popular, founded a club group called Hoonigan, so if you see a lot of uh, tuners and racers driving around with Hoonigan stickers on their car, uh, you know that they're part of that community. He was the center. He was the guru. Um, his Cana videos or Canna videos have hundreds of millions of views on YouTube. And uh, yeah, to, to die at 55 uh, from a snowmobile accident quite suddenly like that. And this happened on the same day where Jeremy Renner, the famous actor Jeremy mm. Renner, gets run over by his own snowplow. And so I'm like, guys, winter, don't go outside. Just stay inside. It is clearly.
0: is dangerous. You know,
1: it is clearly. Well, snowmobiles are dangerous on their own. ATVs and all that stuff is always dangerous. Race race on good old-fashioned dry roads. You know, be, be, be a street racer like a civilized human being. Don't go out in the snow.
0: Wouldn't well, it just be easier if they just played games instead, would be way exactly. less dangerous, I don't know, I mean, I feel exactly, safer exactly. playing played, with meatballs. No one ever
1: died by, pl- well, I don't know, I, there could be a, a report of somebody swallowing something in a board game, but very few people have died playing board games.
0: Correct.
1: And we won't go okay. into the details of, of, of who, who, who anyone who's died playing role-playing games. Uh, yeah, let not. Up-
0: <laughs> yeah. let
1: not. But so, anyway, uh, yeah, but yeah, we got a few things to talk about on this uh, New Year's, it's uh, the third day in.
0: How are you? I well, apart from being exhausted, because um, my manager's come back uh, to work, and uh, I, I think she's absolutely brilliant and wonderful and amazing, and I, I really like her. Which for me to say that for manager, it really takes quite something. Um, from
1: you, that's high praise. Very,
0: very. But um, <laughs> she's driving me absolutely potty because um, I'm designing a game for her. Well, for the company, no, not for her, for, for the company. Uh, you know that I work in cybersecurity, and even though I am officially an, um, an instructional designer, I, I create e learning courses based on cybersecurity for the awareness team. Um, but because the design team has been moved on to marketing, uh, I'm now doing a marketing shit. So, some of that is she said, Oh, by you know about games? I say, yeah, thing or two.
1: I do, so, you know, a little
0: bit. So, why don't we make a game so we can give it away to our Customers, and it's a game about cybersecurity. And I said, "You got the right man." So okay, um, so uh, this started last year, and I said, "Okay, um, you know, we're going to do something very simple, just a card game, just to get you know our feet wet, and uh, we'll take it from there." So I designed this game, which is incredibly easy, so so easy, where you just have to put. It's meant to be played by children of ages 5 and up. So any child who can count can play this game. And you're just meant to put the card down with a number. Uh, Everybody put this card at the same time and the player with the lowest number uh, loses and that's it. You know, you take take the cards. Uh, But you can put um, two cards with the same number or three cards with the same number and the more cards you put then the higher it is. So you put two cards, then that's better than putting just one card. No, simple as that. Uh, so nothing, nothing fancy, nothing, nothing huge. Just something that you can play in five minutes with your kids. Um, nice. A little bit more to it than that, but that's, that's the gist of it. So uh, we were playtesting it uh, a couple of them today, and uh, she said, oh, "But um, it's got something missing. It needs something else." I've brought a few games from home. Uh, okay. So she starts to bring out these games that she plays with her kids all the time. Um, And uh, some of them are Spanish games. Uh, There's a game called Virus. I know it. Uh, And then there's a game called uh, Mystery, which is a game about a cat. And it's actually a very funny game because you have a few cards and you're meant to make pairs. But the way that you make pairs is that you have to steal another player's card. So say that I have five cards, you have five cards, and then somebody else has five cards. So I take one of your cards, and if the card I am I have taken from you makes a pair with one of the cards in my hand, I discard those two cards. And then the next player will steal a card from me. And if the card they take makes a pair with one of the cards they have, then that's fine. And if it doesn't, then they have one more card in their hand, which is not good. So it's quite simple. So games like that, and I said. Mm, I can't be seeing something. Anyway, it so happens that she starts giving me ideas, after idea, after idea after idea after idea after idea after idea after idea. And I said, Look, you're just you're telling me to design virus. What you do you the things that you're telling me? That's how virus work.
1: Don't you love what? it when somebody comes up to you and asks you, Hey, you should design a game, and they they would like it would like to have it like this 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 and this and this and you're like you've only played two games. It's uh, it, it's one. It was one of the best critiques of a, a game company called Certifiable, which company that I've, I've critiqued in the past. Uh, one of the best reviews for Certifiable Studios was: This is a game company that saw Talisman, figured every game has to be like this, and that's the only game that they've been using as their reference. And I'm like, really? That's 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 a scathing review by saying this These game company saw Talisman and figured they knew everything about board game design.
0: Well, so that's what I've been dealing with all day. Um, eventually, she understood as well because she wanted me to have two games in one game. So uh, if we wanted kids to play the game, then we would have the game I designed for kids. But inside the card... Where the illustration is meant to go, we were meant to have different instructions so people could play with just those instructions. I said, but those are two different games in one game. That's going to be incredibly confusing even for adults. No. you know, If you want to expand on the basic rules, by all means, do expand on the basic rules. But don't, don't put a game inside the game, because that's like trying to play Uno and Jatsi with the same dice. No. No.
1: No. Well, there's been some ideas of idea of, of incorporating multiple mechanics in different games. I mean, we've seen games that are uh Ruins of Arnak, for example, is effectively three different games that have been meshed together. I mean, so, so there is some there's some there's some uh, yeah, avenue but you, for
0: but you play one of those games so you can obtain something that playing the other game would allow you to do when you play the third game. It's not as if you have two different games completely different that don't relate to each other at all and don't play together at all in the same mm. box. Was a, uh, no, 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 stop it. This is too much. So um, eventually we settled down, you know, OK, let me revisit this. And I included the mechanics from Virus that she wanted. Uh, which is you want, you know, I, I want the color bit. I, I want to have something because it misses something else. So what are we going to do with with color? And say, so, okay, don't, don't worry about it. So now we've got a, a card game where people have to put together, uh, the initial player is going to put together a means to attack and a cyber attack. So, for example, if you have a laptop in your hand and you have a phishing, you can throw a phishing attack. If you have a mobile phone and you have a phishing, then you can throw a phishing attack. And the combined value of both cards does the value of the attack. Does that make sense? Right. You're looking very confused.
1: No, no, I'm I'm following it. I I, I have to learn, because even though I know virus and I've seen virus, I've actually never played virus.
0: Well, this has nothing to do with virus now. Okay, that's okay. it. No, we we decide. But she said, "But is, will we get into trouble if we just copy a game and give it a different mecha- a different um, theme?" I said, "Well, right. not really. I mean, you cannot copyright mechanics, but I'd rather not go out there and have anyone telling me that we just, you know, copy the game and change the graphics and the names. I think that would be right. really bad. And for goodness' sake, I'm a game designer. What is the fucking point?"
1: Of me. That being said, I mean, just on a complete side thing, um, a game, a board game about cybersecurity is ingenious.
0: Uh, there's I a mean, company, they're... there's a company called Potato Pirates in India, who specifically make games about cybersecurity, and they are very, very good.
1: I've never, I well, I haven't seen any high-profile ones. I haven't seen hmm. like, yeah.
0: No, there's some, there are some, not very many, there are some. So, anyway, eventually I managed. And you know what she came up with later on? Mm-hmm. She came back about five minutes later and said, oh, look, I like this game. I want this game. I want a dexterity game. I want Geistert's Belize. I said, well, yeah, why don't we make a game where people have to take a card out, and they have to find the element that's not in the card because that's the attack. And then they need to grab the figure that they're going to defend themselves from the attack with. Fine. I can do that. I can work with that. And they say, oh, and we need it delivered in our offices by the 15th of March. Oh, okay. I said, wait, wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You want me to design a game, play test it, illustrate it, and then send it to a company that has to manufacture 500 copies in two and a half months? Um, Allow me to assure you that's not going to happen.
1: Well, considering like the last board game I designed was, I had it was a year and a half of, uh, yeah.
0: You know, I immediately we don't we are not going to need to go to China or anything because it's not a very large print run. But I said, oh no, she said, oh no, 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 we've done things faster for some of our events. So, yeah, you never had to rely on a company being able to accommodate the production schedule that you're giving them. This is something completely different. You cannot have a company manufacturing five hundred copies of a game in ten days.
1: Yeah, we had. I had that situation when I was trying to sell the uh, wineries on Naramata. It was November. It was. Uh, I was. It was August, and they're like, "Oh, well, this game may be out by by December." And I'm like,
0: you know, "I haven't
1: designed it yet. It'll be lucky if it comes out in December of next year."
0: So. Eventually, I just said, look, I'm going to ask for some quotations. And if we can get this game done by March, then we'll get your minis and figurines done by March. If we cannot, then we we'll go for the card one. And then we'll get the other one done by the end of the year when we have a few events that our customers would very much appreciate. Right. So, ooh, okay, but I'm sure you can make it. I'm sure I fucking can't. So anyway, that's been my day. That's why I have a headache and I am absolutely exhausted. Um, and people, yeah, the life of a corporate game designer is shit. But I love it. I'm having a great time, I have to say. So I'm absolutely uh, loving it. It's, it's, it's absolutely wonderful to have the... Ideas exchange with people, uh, being able to play, and some people like it. And having the the, the uh, graphic designer and the illustrator say, "Oh, but we could do this, and then we can do that, and then I can do this other thing." And just thinking, like, "Oh my God, you're so young. <laughs> I love you," because <laughs> she's twenty three and she's just finishing final, so it's amazing. So that's um, that's that's how the year has started for me.
1: Well, okay. Uh... <laughs> I, which is interesting. Um, I this is one of the issues with Facebook. Facebook uh, has a memories thing, and reminded me that I got dumped nine years ago today.
0: Oh wow! Congratulations!
1: Um, congratulations! Yeah, congratulations. yeah, I, I, uh, a relationship which I thought was uh, going to be the first relationship I had of any of any substance, and uh, and uh, then I got dumped uh, nine years ago today. Uh, now that being said, it's it's not not a downer because obviously uh, I, got, I, someone, I got better off. So I got better. I got met someone up a few months later. Um, and the other irony is if, uh, not irony but the interesting uh, aspect is that her and i have reconnected and we've kind of looked over our past and we both realized that there was a not it was a bit of a communication issue where we weren't communicating mm-hmm. some of our issues and now when we look at it going you know if we had spoken about some of our issues we could have gotten over that hump really easy so this is one of the situations where in retrospect i i i'm talking to her i I realized even though she was the one who broke up with me she now i i can tell that she's like oh i probably should have not given up on this i'm like well i'm married now so not much we can do um but uh it's it's interesting too just because of other recent developments but just it's just it's just a very interesting thing but uh yeah yeah that was one thing i noted today but the uh the important thing about stuff is t- talking about board games and not my personal life uh,
0: okay so let's talk uh, about board games what do you get for christmas
1: well um <laughs> i actually wanted to hold that up for later if uh-huh. i could and just talk about uh-huh. some recent news do the news thing first let's do the new thing because yeah just because i think um my, my, because the, my board games are right behind me including a little bit of a surprise but so ding 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 a little bit of news thing um uh, on the uh, board game front there hasn't been too much uh, we it's usually, it's usually, it's, this is usually the dead zone for games on kickstarter um uh, we have arkham asylum escape from arkham asylum coming up on kickstarter and a few other things however the one thing i thought was really interesting actually happened on christmas and this is something that's uh, not going to be uh, really well known to a lot of people but uh, in canada there is, a ga- there is a store called Calendar Club. Now, I don't know if you guys have this uh, over in Spain, but we have yeah. things called pop-up stores. They only appear for a season. Um, in the States, they have the same. They have, ha- they have a Halloween store that opens up in September, closes November 1st. They're only open for Halloween. There, and then during Christmas time, there are numerous stores. Uh, a- anytime that there's an empty lot in a mall, that mall going to get, uh, that spot's going to get filled um hickory farms which is a uh, a gift giving mostly in cheeses and meats they'll do seasonal they start off usually mid-october and they run all the way to December, and then january 1st they close up shop and they're done for the year um calendar club is an obvious one they sell calendars which as you might imagine is not a huge seller in 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 june or april mm-hmm. so yeah. they open up around the same time mid-september and then they run all the way so they sell gifts but 80% of their line are the new calendars of the year. Uh, it's a very interesting business model, that Calendar Club that sells calendars, they blow all their money and then they spend the next eight months making stock for the for the final three months of the year. But they also are gift giving. So they also uh, f- feature a lot of novelties and board games are starting to occupy their their, their space more and more. Mostly party games. Okay. So if there's a party game, regardless of vulgarity, it's going to be on Calendar Club shelves. I ran a Calendar Club before I got into game design and game writing full time. I quit my retail job and took a management position of Calendar Club, knowing it was temporary, because in Canada you can take you can accept EI employment insurance, which is a pay off, uh, which is a government paid offset if you're laid off, if you're fired or you quit, you don't get EI. But if you're laid off because of work shortage, you can collect EI. And because Calendar Club is a temporary job, once they let you go, your class is being laid off so I can collect EI. So I was able to collect EI for six months and develop my industry. So when EI ran out, I could start my Kickstarter and the rest was history. Nice. So I'm very thankful for Calendar Club for that opportunity. Um, However, this is where things get interesting. On, when Calendar Club ends uh, their Christmas rush, they have to pack up most of their stock and sell it off. Now, shipping is expensive. So it's actually easier and better for them to sell things off cheap. So they'll have insane Boxing Day sales when, when everything in their store is like anywhere from 25 to 45, 55, 65% off. And then at the end, they'll finally box everything that hasn't been sold, and they'll send it off. And because these are calendars, most of the calendars just get destroyed. That's why they want to get rid of these calendars as soon as possible. Some of the games, especially the heavier, larger ones, it's like, get rid of them. Now, strangely enough, most of the board games, because board games can be resold next year, they don't really drop them that much, 25 50% sometimes. That's, That's not bad, actually. But they did something this year which everybody was talking about. And they realized, like... Does Calendar Club know how what they've done? Because it's one thing to say, "Oh, you know, we're going to sell off our extra copies of Trivial Pursuit or Clue." Because the vast majority of their games are like that. You know, games that you see everywhere, games you see in record stores, uh, like variations of Clue and and Risk and Monopoly, mm-hmm. or the really well known games like Catan and Ticket to Ride. That's what you'll see. But for some weird reason. Calendar Club got a massive supply of Arc Nova, which is considered the greatest game that came out in a lot of circles, the best game that came out in 2022. What? It is not in the same scale of any of the other games out there. It's not Ticket to Ride. It's not this public game. It is a sought after, extremely popular game that came out in 2022, a game that was had a supply shortage. It was the Ooh. wingspan of 2022. And Calendar Club actually had a huge supply. They, of course, were selling it for a, a significant markup, so you could get it for cheaper by going online. So back Boxing Day hits, uh, for those people who know after Christmas in Canada and, and Britain a few other places, you have know, Boxing Day, uh, which has turned into our big, our, our Black Friday is Boxing Day, but of course in Canada now we have that as well. So we have Black Friday and Boxing Day. And on Boxing Day, Calendar Club decided to reduce Arc Nova to $10.
0: Oh my God, that must have been a marabunta of people going to that website to
1: well, destroy no, you, everything. You, could, you couldn't you could buy it online. You had to go physically to a calendar club. So if your town had a pop-up calendar club, you could go. <laughs> and so people started popping up, and, it, and they started seeing price tags. It's like, I got Nova for $10, and everyone was like, what? And people were popping up like, I bought six of them for $10, and everyone was like, you're, you're, you know, they were calling them scalpers being unethical. Cause this guy's going to try to resell it now for $50. So I was like, wait a second, what is this? And they, and they were saying, this is in Canada. And I'm like, and then I go, where in Canada is this being sold? And somebody said it was a pop-up. And I thought there's only one pop-up. I know that sells games. And that's calendar club, honey, get in the car. So we got in the car, we drove to the local mall. We're at the calendar club, the same calendar club that I ran two years earlier. And I went in there and there it was, four copies of Arc Nova for
0: $10. You bought them all, I hope.
1: I did not because I have some ethics. I, I'm not a person that has any plans on reselling them. I own Ark Nova, but I do have friends. So I bought two copies of Ark Nova. They're wrapped up as gifts to give to uh, get friends. So, and I told people, by the way, there's two more left. Go at them. I'm not a person that has any plans on reselling. I'm not, I have no desire to do that. Yeah, I could have bought all four of them. But no, I bought two of them for $10 each. They're wrapped up for gifts. But yeah, that was everywhere on, on board game sites saying, go to Calendar Club and pick up Arc Nova because for some reason they've dropped it to $10. They also dropped Triple Pursuit to next $5 time, as well.
0: Next time, let me know because you know what? <coughs> I would have been delighted to pay for those $20 and then the postage so we could do a giveaway.
1: Oh yeah, that that would have been that that could have been smart. That
0: yeah. would have made it very popular as well. So next time yeah. you do that, just yes, just let me know right away. And believe you me, you know, um, like I said,
1: it was it was on the moment we're we're like, do we get one? Okay, we're getting one. Do we get two? And we're calling our friends like, do you want a copy? Got, do you want?
0: I would have got all of them. I'm sh- I'm sure I can think of four people who would be more than happy to receive that. As yeah, guests.
1: yeah. There's a part of me that was just like, why didn't you get it? And I was like, you know what? Let some other people take advantage of it and get get it for ten dollars. Sure, they may just want to resell it, but I'm sure it might end up going to a good home. So I was kind of thinking more altruistically, but no. In retrospect, no, I maybe the
0: they ended up in the house of somebody who's going to sell them for thirty dollars.
1: Yes. Uh, and another, another topic, so uh, Evil Genius Games. So Evil Genius Games is a company that released a. There's uh, now just for context. D and D came out. Uh, fifth edition came out. I think in 2016. I uh, think or 2016, 2015, and uh, their OGL came out around the same or uh, not not, soon, not long after. And there wasn't it was straight fantasy third party stuff. And one of the very first uh, non fantasy work out there was mine fifth edition uh, for Amethyst, uh, which is a sci fi fantasy. I then released Ultramodern in uh, August of that same year. And that uh, became the most successful third-party game for 5th edition, and it's still considered one of the most successful uh, books for 5th edition. Um, there are two versions, the regular and the expanded or redo, and they're both mithril sellers, um, which is the irony that if you add those together, I would have an adamantine title, but I don't, because uh, they're both uh, they're both still, unfortunately, quite, quite a ways away from each, either of them being an adamantine title. But now since then, the last few years, there's been a slew of non-fantasy uh games a slew I got a whole oh, cornucopia um uh black or oh, sorry, with black carbon where it was called um there's uh, that's been a big cyberpunk one geofunk geofunk geopunk no bio is a it's a geo it's a genetic it's a, it's a biopunk game that's also gotten really really popular carbon 2185 that's the name carbon 2185 nice yeah yeah it's a one um like I said, and this is the irony, is that I've I've, I've I had a cyberpunk game with Neurospasta that came out well before a lot of these companies came out. So it's one of those situations where it's, it's interesting seeing seeing them all playing catch up. Um, but Everyday Heroes is the official uh, fifth edition, or well, not the official, but it is the the update of the original third edition D20 Modern. This was uh, a direct faithful adaptation of the original D20 Modern book. Uh, Raised about a whole, uh, about four hundred thousand dollars on Kickstarter, so it's very admirable. Um, the issue I saw with it is the worry that they were going to adapt everything. Uh, and it looks like in some ways I was correct in the ways that the original one, all the classes were uh, peaked at 10th level. So the only way to ever maximize your character was to <coughs> multi-class, right? So you had to start off, you start off as, the, as a strong hero, a dexterous hero, and these were very lame characters. Like you wouldn't want to start first level uh, in D20 Modern because the characters were so simplistic and weak. You only got really good once you got to your prestige classes at around third level, and then of course you would you would pick levels in either your either your your basic class or your prestige class until you got to twentieth level. Okay. It was a very controversial decision because you basically would have to start the game at third level. You can never start a D20 game at first level because you were worthless. Okay. Uh, they have they have copied that 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 tactic over. so it although it has gotten a lot of good reviews, there has been some criticism from fans that find the system not very good because they can't take one class and run it all the way to 20th level. However, they have taken things that I know was unpopular like their wealth skill and they've taken that out because d20 modern had a wealth skill, which was an awful idea. like you would literally can I afford this? I roll a die and go, yes, I can afford it. It's like, so I can afford a car and then I can't afford food. It was a ridiculous mechanic. Okay. So that, uh, that never made any sense. Um, so that came out uh, just a few weeks ago. It's at silver. So it's doing pretty well. Uh, it's also a very big book, 461 pages. Uh, they also were very controversial, uh, not controversial, very well known because they had purchased the IP of a half a dozen movie properties from the '80s and '90s, including The Crow,
0: yeah, Highlander, um,
1: escape, Pacific Highlander Rim, Rambo. Rambo, yep, uh, and, they, and those
0: are and all adventures that they have put out. Let me let me go through them because they they have some interesting shit here. So we have oh, you can really buy The Crow, and Escape from New York, yep, and then they're going to come out with Pacific Rim, Kong Skull Island. Highlander, Universal Soldier, Total Recall and Rambo this year that's what they want to release this year up to July so they may come with uh, more things now um, I have to say some of this stuff would I would find very very interesting but the fact that this is going to go for the D20 modern, as you are describing it, and uh, that game has four hundred pages, right away is a bit of a, yeah, not going to happen.
1: Well, you like said it's it's it, a lot of people who backed it backed it because of these of these IPs that they have. They weren't making hmm. an official Crow Five E game. They were making eight different official games, and also, so of course, my brain goes, how. There is no. As they made four hundred thousand dollars, and so my brain is going. Unlike my company, I always was reminded of uh, my friend who runs uh, Oom Games, and Oom Games uh, has million dollar kickstarters, but they don't make a whole lot of money. They might have actually gone under, but the reason why they survive is because they have a high roller, uh, a high roller person that backs their play, a very uh, a millionaire. They have a million they have they have the person who owns the parent the, the, the parent company is a person that can easily front money to handle costs for projects evil genius games must have them because securing the franchise rights to eight different properties some of them not being small could not have been cheap in fact they were probably so expensive you calculate everything $400,000, they probably still lost money on that Kickstarter.
0: Yeah, I mean, I can imagine, um, uh, and the things are, they're very long-wanted franchises, but I can imagine some of them, I don't think they can be that expensive because they're pretty old. Uh, yeah, Highlander not, and the Crow,
1: but the thing is Crow's getting rebooted. Highlander, yeah, but Pacific Rim?
0: Exactly, that one, that yes. could not have been and I'm going to even say that perhaps even Rambo cannot be that cheap either um escape from new york yeah universal soldier who who even remembers that film i do it's not polling um kong the thing is that
1: yeah kong the thing is that gets me is that i'm trying to see whether or not i thought whether or not those are all owned by a same parent company that they could through a lump sum and got the publishing rights to all of them because It would seem incredibly expensive. It's also a very random assortment of titles. So, Mm -hmm. my guess is that they approached Universal or a company, a parent company that owned all of those. My guess is also potential that Evil Geniuses Games' parent company might be associated with that company in Mm -hmm. question. So we may not know it. Um, the irony about the whole situation is that I got contacted. Yes. I told you about that. That's why yes. you're smiling. Um, I got contacted by um, Dave Scott, I think his name is, uh, from Evil Genius Games. And it was very much a boilerplate going, hey, I saw that you published some successful non-fantasy games. Would you consider adapting those titles for my to our system? And he co- talked about stuff about being able to promote it and even if the game is popular publishing it and putting it in game stores and it didn't mention my title specifically so it felt like a copy paste boilerplate response not sure whether or not it was his intention to make it generic and whether or not he did in fact type it specifically for me and I had to respond going cool Uh thanks uh, my docket is full considering I'm the guy who publishes your direct competition like <laughs> it would not make a lot of sense to adapt ultramodern to everyday heroes considering they have 80% carryover of the same stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting that in the uh when Nworld interviewed them for their Kickstarter, the very first question the interview asked said, "How do you differentiate yourself from other non-fantasy games on the market like Ultramodern and and Carbon 2185?" And so the so like literally the first thing the question they had was like oh, you're you're making a universal system how do you compare it to the other universal system that has been out by this point for four years and has two mithril uh, badge selling the titles in the market so the fact that they say hey you should write for us and my my response is I was like I appreciate the comment but why. <laughs>
0: I mean, I, 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 Why, I why would I now
1: write for my own system that is actually sold
0: more? But also the thing I i I've thinking about it as a as a company is a bit you are, I mean, you have in there eight IPs. Why would you want to do anything else?
1: They want to expand that profile. They're trying to do what 3.5 did, but was to try to they're trying to have so they're trying to do market saturation. If they could throw out 30 products in a year that use Everyday Heroes, then everyone thinks that that is now the official umbrella for all 5th edition non-fantasy. Like they're trying to create that system. That's why they're putting out all these modules this year and trying to encourage other people to adapt to their, because they're ultimately trying to be the Osborne, the, the complete Ultra, um, you know, so in, like I said, they're trying to create a situation where ultra modern, my title, becomes inconsequential because everyday heroes will be the definitive, universal non fantasy rules. And the funny thing is, they're saying that they have an o- that they're putting out an OGL. There's an OGL for ultra modern five that's been out for five years. Ultra modern five OGL has been downloaded four thousand times. I have that system out. People can actually, people can copy paste ultra modern and make their own system with it. They don't have to pay or give me permission to do anything. So I'm even giving out my stuff for free. And I still, of course, I sell the books um, all the time. So it's just a very interesting thing. Uh, I was suspecting going, you know, I have a Kickstarter. I'm running right now for Amethyst. It is a colossal pain to adapt anything to a rule system. I know because Amethyst was adapted to 4th edition, 5th edition, Pathfinder, Savage World, Fate. And each time I did it, it was a colossal pain because I can't keep two systems in my head at the same time. I have to unlearn one. So even though I wrote 13th Age, I actually still don't know how to play it. I would actually have to grab the book, reread the rules to adapt it, which is the reason why I said when I did the new Amethyst one, I'm not doing a Pathfinder. You... I'm doing the 5th edition version only.
0: You are I can... a Vanshan player. Or a DM. I can't, uh, yeah, I just... You, you, I, have I to, you have to forget something to remember something else. You're like a, you're kind of, you're like a D&D stories. spell.
1: Board <laughs> games, I can do easily. I can, I yeah. can pick up a game and go in, If I play a board game once, I will forget the rules. I play a board game twice, I'll remember it. Three times, I'll it'll be perfect.
0: You <coughs> but are, for, you're, for you're example, like if
1: I was to write for Pathfinder, but the Pathfinder is the worst because Pathfinder and 5th edition have so much carryover. I'd have to relearn, oh, wait, wait. This is not, like when I was doing fourth edition, adapting to fifth edition, I kept on mentioning, oh, this is a free action. And I had to tell myself, oh, right, crap, there's no such thing as a free action in fifth edition. That's a third edition and fourth edition artifact. Fifth edition doesn't have free actions. So when I re-updated Ultramod for redo, I had to go there and specifically remove instances of free actions and reword it by saying it's free. Because there's certain wordings that do change. Fourth edition was very well known for having a lot of established uh, iconography and the terminology. Like pa- like fifth edition's uh, conditions is two pages. Pathfinder's conditions is four pages.
0: Okay, that's a lot so
1: there's a lot more icon, a lot more terminology to remember. Pathfinder also has the most insane uh, monster creation system. Writing for Pathfinder is a colossal pain. When someone said, "Are you writing for second edition Pathfinder?" I said, well, "Why should I bother? It has a one percent market share. I have no interest in doing that." Yeah,
0: it's a shame that they haven't done better. To be honest with you. Yeah, but, um, so that's so been the anyway, an interesting so. thing
1: with everybody Yeah, that's the thing with heroes, uh, which I thought was very interesting. The other thing I also find this is completely um um off the side, but. Uh, when you uh, put stuff on DriveThruRPG, you can list what your title is related to, mm-hmm. uh, what classes it under, and so forth, what category. And for some reason, which I is not 100%, 100% sure why they did this, it's set under Dungeons and Dragons OGL. Okay. Now, that seems normal. I'm under D&D OGL, but I am also under DD 5th edition OGL. They're not. Even though Everyday Heroes is a fifth edition game, if you go to D&D, I'm in the top 50. They're in the top 50. They're in the top 10 because they just came out two weeks ago. I'm like number 25 because I've been out for two and a half years. If you go to D&D OGL, they're on the list and I'm on the list. You go to fifth edition D&D OGL, I'm on the list and they're off.
0: What, that, isn't that, that doesn't make any sense. I mean, if they are 5e, how can they not be in the OGR?
1: Because when they entered it in their system, they didn't bother flagging it as a fifth edition book. Yes. So if you go to the hottest 5e compatible books,
0: they're never going to be there.
1: They're not going to be there. You have the Hellboy fifth edition game, uh, the Dark Souls 5e game, uh, I'm there under 12, Carbon 2185 is there under 15. Their title is not listed. And that is unfortunately, I see it's a massive misstep for them. Like, Very. why didn't they put themselves under that? That's, that actually might be one of the reasons why maybe their sales aren't as hot as they probably think they are. You know, um, if
0: they do it now, do... if they do now, that means they have listened to this podcast. Hi, guys.
1: The other thing, of course, is that they have created their own entry. So they now have their own Everyday Heroes rule system. And I think that's the reason why. That instead of saying, oh, we're part of 5th edition OGL, no, no, we're part of the Everyday Heroes rule set. <laughs> they're trying to create a situation where even though they're 5th edition compatible, they are their own rule system.
0: You know, all of this Which is, is
1: ballsy on their part yeah, for them to say that, to say that they're not 5th edition compatible. They're a completely original rule system that just happens to use a 5th edition architecture. You know
0: what this is starting to smell cool. like to me? One of these, I'm going to spend a huge fortune to make a small fortune situation. And it's mm. it's just beginning to feel a bit. You are spending a lot of money on these franchises, and you know, giving people because I I heard from from them in a, a Facebook group recently, in which they were advertising that if you became a partner, and you sell any um, any of their games are sold through a link that they give you, they would give you a twenty percent. Cut, you know, a commission on anything that yeah. you sell through your website, your podcast, or your whatever, which is like ginormously generous. I mean, this is, I don't think I've ever seen anything as generous as that. I was thinking, how are you going to make money? I mean, seriously.
1: They're, they're, they're taught, they're dumping money into the situation to try to overwhelm the industry.
0: Exactly. But again, I don't think, I would be very surprised if there is enough people. To saturate the market to to make back the amount of money that they are investing in making this happen.
1: Yeah, it reminds me of that Alpha Omega game. Do you remember that?
0: Uh, vaguely.
1: Yeah, Alpha Omega came out. It unethically tried to link themselves to a movie property, which they were in no way connected to, but they tried to lie. Uh, it was an extremely expensive com- game. It was one of the most Amazing looking uh, game productions. And unfortunately, it came out uh, and then got uh, vanished. Uh, no one talks about Alpha Omega anymore. Maybe you were to see the original rule books, with some of the greatest looking rule books of all time. It is amazing the production design of that oh,
0: game. Oh, yes, I do have these. Oh, yeah, but yeah I, have, me, I have the Beast Theory, which is absolutely incredibly beautiful, I'll say.
1: Well, yeah. The thing that's, that, that, that I'm starting to figure out now, because I was talking to my own group, uh, my own Discord about this. And they're asking the difference. I was asking the differences between ultra modern and everyday heroes, because I haven't read everyday heroes and they're saying everyday heroes is a more faithful adaptation of d 20 modern, all the good stuff and the bad. But then looking at the fact that they are not, they have made a point to not make themselves uh, part of fifth edition compatible. It makes me wonder if it is in fact fifth edition compatible you, cause you can use fifth edition architecture, copy, paste the rules, but create enough new architecture to the system where it no longer becomes compatible with with, with, with uh, fantasy D&D. Ultra Modern 5 is 100% compatible with D&D. You could take Ultra Modern rules, plunk, plunk it into your fantasy game, and nothing changes. Maybe you can't do that for Evity Heroes. Maybe Evity Heroes requires... And I have heard, of course, I remember D20 Modern having this par- part of this problem. D20 Modern characters were way underpowered compared to their fantasy counterparts. So they were only compatible with themselves. Um, okay. and they had a and they had a section at the end saying, Oh, in case you want to try this with your own fantasy game, here are the things you have to change to make this game compatible with DD. So they knew going into it that their system wasn't going to be compatible with DD. I did with ultra modern. So I'm starting to think that if they made this a faithful adaptation that it is entirely possible that Everyday Heroes is not directly compatible with core fantasy D&D, which would be an interesting decision to do that.
0: Yeah, and I don't know. I mean, to be honest, I don't think I'm ever going to find out because I would be very surprised if Everyday Hero um, started to be published in Spanish or the book in English reached uh, my local store. And if it did, if I would really want to spend the money to buy it so I could not read it because I am... I'm not going to... I don't think I'm going to be reading a 400-pages book game unless it's one of the books that I've been given for Christmas, uh, which I will be reading uh, because it's just too much, absolutely too much. So, and for a system, I mean, unless, you know, these um, everyday heroes is going to come with a proper game already, I'm not going to be 400, read 400 pages of rules to then have to read... However large the Pacific Rim book is going to be or the Highlander, regardless of how interested I could be in those settings, which I would be very interested in the Crow, Highlander, Pacific Rim and Total Recall, if it wasn't because I am never going to get it to the table because I am never going to read Everyday Heroes. So, yeah, this is not for me. It's never going to be. So I have no idea, no idea what's going to happen to this. Um, But considering their practices, I think it's a company that we should keep an eye on. Um, Yeah, it'd
1: be very interesting to see where they are in a year.
0: Yeah, I think they are either going to, as you say, they're going to really do very well and get established and get enough of a fan base and customer base to survive and make money, or it's just going to disappear and every one of these books will become a collector's edition. This is an
1: Icarus situation. They're either going to soar or they're going to fly too close to the sun. Yeah. Uh, So anyway, uh, talking about Christmas, before we run out of time, uh, I'll I'll go through what I got for Christmas here. the first here is oh, Wingspan.
0: Nice.
1: Um Oceanic expansion. We already have the European expansion. Yeah. Uh, my wife's all-time favorite game, Caverna. Caverna. She finally got an okay. expansion for Caverna because God knows that game wasn't big enough as it was. <laughs> we got this game called Starlink, which is, I guess, a um a, a- a-
0: Oh, a- a- that's so good. Oh my god, I wanted that game so so badly when I, w- I saw it in Essen.
1: Yes. Oh, However, it only I'm jealous. For three I'm so players, jealous. So- we have to make sure we actually have friends over. The other oh. thing I found was interesting, um, Boxing Day sales in Canada. So you've been eaten was 50% off.
0: Anyway, um Oh right, okay, that's a fun game. Potion Explosion, oh,
1: second edition. Brilliant.
0: Love it. Absolutely love it. Paleo? Yeah, I've heard about that game. I've never played it or seen it around me.
1: And uh finally, the game my wife wanted more than anything, Lame Crap. <gasps> which only got released this year,
0: but... Oh, I'm so jealous with Starlink because that game is so goddamn cute and lovely.
1: I have here a box.
0: I can see because, yes.
1: It has not been opened. Okay. So I'm going to do an unboxing for games that my wife has ordered.
0: And you don't know what it is.
1: And I'm going to find out what she spent money on. <laughs>
0: So I'm going to open this puppy up. Yes.
1: And, as expected, she bought the Isle of Isle of Cats Explore and Draw.
0: I can't see anything because of the chroma keying. Yeah, yeah. Okay.
1: Of course she would get this game because she loves Isle of Cats.
0: Okay. I haven't played a dice
1: Oh, God. She picked up Unlock oh. for Star Wars. Now, just last episode, I mentioned how Unlock was my least favorite escape room game.
0: Yeah. But the
1: Star Wars one, I am going to be very curious about. Uh, This is um, Rubble's Escape of Hoth, Mm -hmm. Smugglers break out of an Imperial Star Destroyer, or Imperial Agents recover kyber crystals from the ancient moon Jetta. And finally, what is clearly the heaviest game
0: in here, Oh, that is very good. Dragon Castle is amazing. Um, Yes. Wait a second, because my dog has just fucked up this. It's a
1: a, a very famous, mostly famous, but well-known game because it is a retelling of the game. Can I still uh, hear you? I don't know.
0: No, I cannot. Let me give you a minute, because Taiko has just jumped. Okay, I can hear you again now. On me and uh, disconnected my headphones. Uh, Dragon Castle is an absolutely brilliant game. Uh, If you want to learn how to play it, there is an app and the app will teach you how to play the game in about five minutes. And it is a very good game in and on itself. Uh, and it is a very accessible, very, very fun version of my own.
1: Is it Mahjong or Mahjong?
0: I say Mahjong.
1: Mahjong. That's what I thought. Mahjong.
0: But I don't know. I'm Spanish, so what the fuck do I know? Um, but it is an absolutely brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. I love, love Dragon Castle. It's a fantastic game. Horrible games make everything but. <laughs> but
1: yes, that's what um that's what we got.
0: So Santa, I mean you've you must have been a very good boy this year too.
1: No, in fact I've been a very naughty boy, but oh.
0: So can I you think imagine? that's
1: the reason why my wife bought more games. Probably. Um, oh, no,
0: you've been very naughty as well. You're a so um, Okay. <laughs> I,
1: that was my Christmas. We've unboxed all of these, so I imagine we'll be unboxing those tonight.
0: Well, I I got um, both some presents and both not. Well, everything was, I'm going to say it was a present, but for different reasons. Because I got, my sister's in law bought me something called the blunder which is a Hello? the blunder is a it's a protocol puzzle post and literally is escape room that comes in an envelope. So every month is oh. a subscription thing and every month you get an envelope and it's uh, for one to eight players it's uh, 14 ages or higher and it plays in about an hour to an hour and a half And as soon as you open the box, I still have an open mind, or the envelope, I should say, inside this escape room. So you get a few uh, puzzles and some QR codes that you have to scan to Mm -hmm. solve them together and play the game. And it is a subscription service. It's a monthly thing, which is really cool. I didn't know that existed until I got it.
1: I have heard of this, yeah.
0: So my husband, well, sorry, Santa, i beg your pardon, uh, brought me several role-playing games, all of them, funnily enough, exactly the ones I wanted.
1: It's almost like Santa knows, huh?
0: It's incredible. Uh, so he got me The Expanse, you know, green Ronin's science fiction soap opera that plays with the H system, which I was very much looking forward to having because it's very difficult to get it in Spain. Uh, I also got Coyote and Crow, which I am desperate to get to because uh, I know um, Connor Alexander is an absolutely wonderful human being. Coyote and Crow has received some fantastic reviews. And Do you know anything about the game?
1: No, no. not personally.
0: Okay, the game is, the setting is what would... Uh, the Americas, or what we know today as the Americas have been, if uh, Christopher Columbus had not, in brackets, discovered it, and, you know, uh, the original nations have been allowed to develop naturally.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, I've seen, I don't know if I've seen this exact thing, but I have seen what-ifs like that.
0: So, This one is actually one of those 400 pages books that I'm really looking forward to reading because they have done all the layout for people like me with dyslexia who cannot usually read small font. And this font is huge, with plenty of space all over the place so the fonts can breathe and you can read it beautifully with gorgeous illustrations. It's been really well thought out for accessibility. And and as I said, uh, kana is an absolutely wonderful human being who deserves all the love in the world for making the book this way i also got altered carbon the role playing oh. game yeah oh which i thought the series was all right but a little bit wasted and hopefully the role playing game because it's from renegade studios and renegade are very good mm. i mean they're absolutely fantastic studio uh, I think they should do very, very well uh, with this game. So I'm looking forward to taking a look at it. And then I got an air fryer, which has absolutely nothing to do with gaming, but I am so excited about it uh, because cool. I love cooking. So those are my uh, Christmas presents. But from Hong Kong, well, actually, before that, from Israel, I got a game uh, that has been sent to me for review called Zabarius which is like a dungeon crawler for kids so they can learn, you know, uh, reading and basic math skills playing this game. I haven't opened it yet because I need to do the unboxing, but it looks super cute. Uh, So that should be very interesting. And from Hong Kong, um, Ice Makes Games has sent me for review Terrascape, which is huge box, loads of things inside. Uh, another game called Age of Civilization, which is a tiny little game, you know, like a matchbox almost, that plays in 30 minutes, and it's a civilization game. And believe you me, inside the box is packed with things. The packing is just superb. And like that one is Age of Galaxy from the same designer and the same principle. Very very cool. They've also sent me what else? Oh, a solo game called Elia, which is a super cute game about a rabbit that goes out there in adventures, and it's huge. Again, it's you know solo games tend to be kind of smaller. No, this one is huge. This one is the whole, mm. the whole shebang, which is uh, absolutely fantastic. And another game called Inheritors. And another one called Morpho, which is a science fiction game. And another one called Samurai Vassal. So Samurai Vassal.
1: Oh, Samurai Vassal.
0: Yeah, which is, uh, so I'm going to be very busy. And then after that, the absolutely wonderful human beings from Free League, who is a company that I'm incredibly fond of because they still haven't made a mistake. There's been absolutely no errors in their judgment when publishing a game thus far. Mm. Every single game they've published is good. And they have sent me for review Heart of Darkness, which is uh, the last of the three adventures they have received, well, in the trilogy, of course, for Alien, the role-playing game, which is a game I'm very fond of. It's a very
1: good yeah. game. All right. Yeah, Yeah. I know that, I know that book, yeah.
0: Uh, they've sent me the Blade Runner starter set.
1: Ah, uh, lucky about her.
0: And the Blade Runner core set, core rules as well. Oh, yeah. And the GM screen. So I am going to be very busy. Really? Wow. And all of those together with the games I brought from Essen. So literally, this year, if I don't buy another game, I have enough to play a single game. Every single week until Spiel. Wow,
1: well, I have um, yeah. We have about not only do I we, do we have probably a dozen games that we bought that we haven't played yet. I have at least a half a dozen review games that I have to get onto. Um, but it's been just a it's been it's been a tricky time trying to get people together. Uh, it's actually been harder to get people to play a board game in 2022 than it was in 2021, which I think was
0: very weird. And in my case, it's been all the opposite. Funnily enough, uh, the other day I was making a recount. And right now I have a gaming group for board games on Mondays, which has become actually pretty regular. We're playing at least three Great. times a month, which is amazing. Then I have two role-playing game groups, one on Thursdays and one on Fridays. And there is another you know, floating uh, board game group on Sundays that I can join from time to time when I have some time. So, right now, I have more gaming people than I have ever had even when I was a member of a gaming club.
1: Well, aren't you Mr. Fancy Pants? I
0: am incredibly lucky. I feel genuinely very, very lucky. So, I hope 2023 will continue with this fantastic strike of luck. So, that's it. You know, we should should, you and I make a list of all the games that we have to review. And see if we can get some of the designers or some of the something for when we review them.
1: Well, unfortunately, ninety percent of mine are with Jamie Stegmeier games and we've already talked to him.
0: Well, but we can talk to the, you know, to the um, layout artist or the yeah, editors, yeah. the the artists themselves, the publishers, the uh, community managers. Well I
1: you got my message earlier that I think what you and I should do is do a top 100 games of all time, which I've been, oh, no. I've been slowly pushing on you to do for the last year or so.
0: But 100, I find it overwhelming. Seriously, I find... You tell me top five. Yeah, I'm with you. No problem. But 100... 100 is
1: like we could, sl- we could do like five a week and that would carry us all the way until the summertime.
0: But I wouldn't know how to put 100 games in order. I seriously would not know how to do it. Five, I'm, I'm okay with. But what's my 100th game? I don't know. I know which one is my favorite game. I know I know what games I would take with me to a desert island for the rest of my life. But I don't know what would be the 100th game that I would like to play. If I was given a choice of playing a 100 games, which one would be the game I would choose the 100th? I don't know. Well,
1: don't the thing know. is... Um... That those those are all different lists for me because for, if someone asked me what's if you had to take games on a desert island what would you take I would say well I you know what what's the games you want to play the most this year I go all the games I want to play the most this year are all the games I haven't played the difference between me and my wife is because I'm always looking for the new experience after if, after I play a game two or three times unless it's amazing I want to get rid of it okay uh, she's the person, that person that 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 will play an okay game over and over but for me this is more like I have I have. 300 games on my board game geek list and i have scores for all of them so i literally grabbed them all threw them in organized them by score and then since i had so many of the same score i moved them around until i had 100 titles and the number 10 were exact were exactly what the the 10 i thought every year this list can change a little bit i'm probably going to add a few things Um, but not as many as I thought I would, just because I didn't play as many new games uh, last year as I was hoping.
0: But, you know, the thing with me is, and this is really embarrassing to admit, is that I have about, well, after SM, I have well over 400 games at home. Mm -hmm. I haven't played them all.
1: Well, I have 300, I haven't
0: played them all either. So I kind of rate them, because I kind of give them a point scoring system thing, because I haven't played them. What am I going to say about the game I haven't played? I like it. I wouldn't be able to say that. (laughs) But I'll tell you what what we can do, Okay, And this is an idea um, thrown to you, and you don't have to answer now, because we are live. Um, Well, we are not live, but you know what I mean. Uh, We're recording. How about, because I don't think no one has ever done this before, three top games that we would take somewhere. So we choose a number of things. So to set Island, to a plane ride, to a games convention, to a food convention, to a uh, theme park that we would take to those locations and why. We make a list of those locations, and we decide: okay, what three RPGs we would take here? What three RPGs we would take there? What three board games we would take here? What three board games we would take there? Well, there's
1: also a bunch of other lists of of of, of top five. You can say top five sci-fi games, top five games with minis, top five games that everyone hates that you love, top five games that everyone loves but you hate. I mean, there's a, there's tons of things you can play with.
0: Yeah, exactly. But all of those have been done by the dice tower already. So I, I, I know, will... but ours would be better. <laughs> Our be way better. Come to that way better. So yeah, we'll 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 think of something. Uh so listeners, you can, you know, and viewers, you can give us your ideas. Uh what kind of you know, lists would you like actually? Us to make? One
1: thing that Dice Tower did and did not do, and Rotto did, mm-hmm. which, I, which I actually really liked mm-hmm. was the top for him was a top 10 game that um where his score is widely different than the board game geek score. Right. So he lists the games that had the greatest diversion, doesn't matter up or down, it was the greatest diversion. And I thought that was a fantastic list, because it basically showed like, and so in one was the game that he had a completely differing opinion of. Compared to everybody else, and I thought that was a very interesting list. Dice Tower hasn't done it. Dorado did it once, and I thought it was a very interesting list because okay. it, it, it mentions both good and bad titles. Like titles, like I did not like this much as much as the community, or I love this game a lot more than apparently the community does.
0: Okay, well, we can think of something um, and and think about what we're going to do, of course, because that's just what I said before. Um, people can send us their ideas, which would be very good to have, mm-hmm. and um, then we can make the top whatever lists for 2023 which i think would be really really good fun all right you know, that microphone is arousing me so much
1: sorry i once again <laughs> me being a fiddler i just can't help but playing with things.
0: yeah but stop putting the condom on and off <laughs> and listeners if you're listening to the podcast and not watching the video uh you really need to watch the video uh now you know, because you're gonna love this shit <laughs> And I I cannot think of any better than new for the podcast than this. You okay? Yeah, you're laughing a lot. Let me stop recording.
1: All right. Anyway, so this has been Chris from DSX Machina. you can the podcast <laughs> fully breaks down. Uh, you can find me on, on Twitch, not kind of you can find me on Twitter, which I barely ever use, <laughs> Facebook. Ah, uh, YouTube, and as I promised, the last eight videos I posted on my TikTok were degu videos, but eventually some other videos will be posting. But my degus are trending; they're very, very popular, so it's very hard to not want to post more degu videos. But I will be posting some game stuff-related stuff, stuff So
0: And soon you will start to get messages from companies that make degu sort of things. Like, oh, would you like to promote our products for your degus? So as you can see, I'm beautiful. hoping. I'd love to get some, uh, get some. Uh,
1: what some some of these companies? I've programmed my guys. By the way, unfortunately, I have this thing on. I, I've programmed them a little bit, so they they know the sound of the opening of the treat container.
0: And they but them. I've
1: also, yeah, but but <laughs> but more so, um, the uh, let's see if I can figure this out here. Um, uh, let's see if I can do this here. Uh, now I oh no, that's where it is. see here um turn this here okay so this is off yes so my my thing is right here Yes. right and that's and i i so far i can program them to come when i when i ask i just do this oh there there we go there
0: (laughs) that's super cute (laughs)
1: that's that's gizmo he's been proper. digit doesn't come as, as readily and the funny thing is, it's because uh every time I, I do that rap, I, I give him a treat. So Gizmo's like, wait a sec, what is my treat? Screw off, I'm going back. If you don't <laughs> give me a treat, it's not worth it. And then Digit eventually shows up, and now he expects his
0: treat. And they don't bite you for not giving a treat.
1: No, no, no. no. They, they they nibble. If I give them if I give them a fingernail with a length on it, they'll nibble. But they're they're very unusual animals because they don't like being pet. So when I try to play with them, I'll 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 sneak a pet by 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 playing with their uh, under underneath their chin.
0: Oh, bless. Well, good. I uh, I look forward to seeing those those videos. I need to take a look at them. So, uh, listeners, viewers, thank you very much indeed for putting up with us because uh, I know that we are wonderful, but we still appreciate uh, you being there. Um, Twitter, GMS Magazine, as usual facebook gms magazine as usual email which i know i'm very slow at replying but i promise i will reply i'm saying this because i haven't replied to the wonderful greg favreau for so long and i love you dude uh a lot uh hopefully we'll have you for the podcast as well at some point and your games are amazing uh and uh podcast.gmsmagazine.com send us an email okay thank uh, you. we'll talk to you very soon bye bye